To be a powerful witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why. And so today, I want us to look into the book of James. So you go to the book of James. I like James. I love the book of Proverbs. I like to try to read a chapter a day, cover it every month. But in the New Testament, the wisdom book is the book of James, I think. Very practical. And what I want to talk to you is very practical. I want to make it as clear as possible, because if you don't understand it, you won't do it. But it's something that we must do, is learn to get wisdom, to live with the wisdom of God. So by looking at the book of James, we're going to see what does it take to have healthy, loving relationships with people. Relationships that honor God, that satisfy you, and attract the attention of people who may not know God. People who are far from God. People that struggle with all kinds of relationships. James 3.18. We're going to look at 13 through 18. James 3.13 through 18. I want to start with verse 18. I'm just going to pick this apart. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I like tearing things apart. So I'm going to start with verse 18 because it's the key verse of what I'm going to talk about today. Listen to what James writes. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Or we could say reap a harvest in some translations of good things. Anybody want good things in your life? Anybody want good relationships? Nobody, huh? Well, we better need another crowd in here then. Because these guys are all set. I care all that. James says that every day, in every relationship, you and I are planting seeds. We're planting seeds of bitterness. Perhaps anger. Maybe contentment. Maybe peace. Maybe joy. Maybe confidence. Maybe insecurity. We're all planting seeds all the time. And since you and I reap what we sow in our relationships, we have to ask a question. The question is this. How do I sow seeds of peace so I can have peace in my relationships, no matter who it is? Is that important to have peace in our relationships? Should we pers- Absolutely. The scripture says, as much as it is within your power, be at peace with all people. So Jesus' standard is not lower than the the Old Testament. Actually, it's higher. He says, listen, I I got along with those who detested me, who despised me I loved. I forgave those who tried to kill me. I laid down my life for you. The Bible says when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. When we didn't even care about Jesus, if we could have put our hands around his neck and choked him, he still died for us. He made that effort because he loves us so. And he says, and now I've enabled you, I'm going to empower you to love and get along people that exact same way if you are willing. So what do we need to do this? We need wisdom. Wisdom. It's an indispensable quality that we have to have if we're going to get along with people. Now what's nice is James does three things here. Let me just unpack it. First he says he defines wisdom, what real wisdom is. Then he tells you how it's different from human wisdom. And then he details how real wisdom operates. So I just wanted to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you. Okay? Any educators in the room? I hope you'd appreciate that. Right? Verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. James says, If you are wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 
Did you get it? James says wisdom is a lifestyle. It has little to do with your intelligence, and it has a lot more to do with your character and your relationships. You see, wisdom is not a matter of what you say with your lips. It's a matter of what you live with your life and how you interact with people every day. It's what you do. I can be wise all by myself all day long. But when I get around with other people, that's the true test. How do I live? How do I speak? How do I absorb from people? So let me ask you something. How do you get along with other people? Do people tend to stiff arm you? Tend to disregard what comes out of your mouth? Do you do that to other people? I don't need advice. I know it all. Because you see, that's going to show how wise you really are. It's by your lifestyle. Wisdom has more to do with character than it does education and intelligence. Wisdom creates humility. Knowledge causes pride. Pride. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. James says a lack of wisdom causes all kinds of problems. Tell me if you've ever experienced any of this. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and get this word, demonic. For where you have envy and every selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Let me tell you something. My sermons never start here. My sermons start back here. These are some I just read on a page. These are things that I've lived through. And my wife and I, as of late, we have been through stuff that we had almost had to classify as demonic. Though I hate to use that word, it's true. We have seen the hurt that's come from bitter envy and selfish ambition. I'm going to tell you something. A lack of wisdom will always lead never to cooperation, but to competition between people. And competition is not what God wants for his church. Not ever. He doesn't want us to be selfish. He wants us to be selfless. Selfishness, a lack of humility, always causes chaos and confusion. Do you have chaos at the house? Do you tend to be chaotic at work? Do you despise other people's success? Are your relationships falling apart? You lack wisdom, if that's the case. So how can I really be wise when I relate to other people? Doug, how? I'm going to give you a wisdom test today. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to give you a wisdom test, and we'll see just how wise you really are. Okay? And I'm going to list some characteristics. Look at verse 17 with me. Verse 17. James lists the characteristics of wise people. Listen to what he says. But wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Now, this is what I want to tear apart. This is what I want to look at. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what you're supposed to take away with you today. If you get nothing else today, you get one truth out of what I'm going to tell you out of these next few. It's important. James says that the characteristics of wise people promote healthy relationships. And listen to what he says first. Wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Wise people won't compromise their integrity. This word means uncorrupted, authentic. 
And in 1 John 3, 3, this word refers to Christ's character. It's about integrity. If I'm wise, I'm not going to lie to you, cheat you, deceive you, or manipulate you. That's why it's demonic when you manipulate. We're not going to manipulate people. I'm going to be a person of integrity if I'm wise, because every relationship you have is built on trust and respect. Am I right? And if people don't trust you, and if people don't respect you, they're not going to want to be in a relationship with you. They're not going to listen to what you have to say. Do you guys know the name Dr. Leonard Keeler? He invented the lie detector. And he tested it on 25,000 people. And he came away with the conclusion that people are basically dishonest. <laughs> Imagine that. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 10.9. Whoever lives honestly will live securely, but whoever lives dishonestly will be found out. The Bible says, surely your sins will find you out. A Christian is never afraid of being found out. You know why? Because the thing that a Christian, a woman tells you to your face, is going to be the same thing that she says when she's not in front of you. A Christian man is, is unafraid. He lives securely because the things that I said to you is the exact same thing that I say about you when you're not around. Does that characterize you? I hope so, Christian, I do. That's why we're never afraid. Because what I say to you is the same thing that I say about you. Someone has said no man has a good enough memory to be a habitual liar. If you've got integrity, guess what you got? you got confidence. You know what the word confidence means? It comes from confideo, which means with faith. So you can live with faith that your relationships are going to be good and healthy and secure and a great witness of Jesus Christ. Look at the next thing that James says. Wisdom means you not only will not compromise your integrity. He says wisdom is peace-loving. You see, wise people, they don't antagonize others. They don't incite them to anger. Wise people work at maintaining harmony. They don't start arguments. Have you ever met someone who's always looking for a fight? Anybody know anybody like that? I heard about a guy that was so argumentative, he only ate food that disagreed with him. <laughs> boom I know. That was too good. I had to, couldn't pass that one up. I'm sorry. Listen, if you're truly a wise guy, really, you'll never antagonize people's anger. Proverbs 23 says, any fool can start arguments. The wise thing to do is stay out of them. Stay out of them. Do you know what causes arguments? I'm going to make you wise here. A couple things. I probably could do an exhaustive list, but just having been married for 26 years and relating to all kinds of people as a pastor, I have found there's two things that seem to cause arguments. Number one is comparing. You're just like. Why can't you be like? Anybody ever use that line? I sort of envy Adam and Eve. You know why? Despite the fall. Adam never had to listen to Eve talk about all the men she could have married. <laughs> Eve never had to worry about Adam comparing her cooking to his mom's. Right? Never had to worry about that. That's a good thing. Then there's condemning. Here's something to it. Condemning. It's all your fault. You should be ashamed. You love to lay on the guilt. You always, you never. 
You know, someone has said that you can bury a marriage with a lot of little digs. I've learned that. I've learned that. William James, a great educator, once said, the secret of wisdom is knowing what to overlook. Dr. Dobson, focused on the family, used to say, before you get married, keep your eyes wide open. And after you get married, keep them half shut. That's important. It's important. You guys, some things are just not worth the fight. Let them go. Let them go. If you're wise, you don't antagonize people's anger. Look at the third thing James says in that verse. He says, wisdom is considerate. Love that word. Wise people don't minimize other people's feelings. Unwise people do that. And you know, a lot of these things, I'm going to be honest with you, I can, I can preach more in 30 minutes than I can live in a year. I mean, any pastor with integrity will have to admit, I, I'm still walking through these things. I'm with you, man. I'm with you on these things. I really am. And God's been confronting me, and so I'm teaching you what he taught me, okay? But wise people don't minimize. Consider it means to be mindful of the feelings of other people. And here's a common mistake I notice we all make. If I don't feel the way you feel, then your feelings must either be invalid or irrational or just stupid. We do that. And this happens a lot between men and women, I notice. James says wise people don't minimize other people's feelings. I don't have to accept them, but I can at least try to listen and understand how other people feel. I wish we would do this when we get into religious arguments with people who aren't Christians. We don't have to get offended. We don't have to get upset. It's not going to hurt you to listen. You don't have to agree with them. Jesus accepted people all the time, but never agreed with the Pharisees. You know what I'm saying? We can accept people without approving of their behavior. You can listen. You might learn something. It's important that we do that. Listen to what Proverbs 15.4 says. This is a, sort of a paraphrase, a good news translation, but I love it. It says, kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. And typically what I've learned, and this was something I had to walk through, the Lord took me through, is that we react to people's emotions when we say things that hurt. So we end up belittling their feelings or we, we put them down. Do you ever play this game? How many guys are married in here? Show me your married pigs. Do you ever play this game? I'll bet you my day was tougher than your day. Right? We try to one-up each other. Oh, yeah, well, little Johnny had diarrhea, threw up all over the place, and then the food burnt, and then and you get home, you say, oh, yeah, I got a boss who's a jerk, and today he told me he's not going to promote me, and we one-up each other, and we go back and forth and just say, you think it's tough? You should see what I have. We all like to do that. We try to one-up each other. We shouldn't do that. Wisdom is considerate. Let's allow each other to express our frustration without being criticized or corrected. Because James says, if I'm wise, I'm willing, I won't minimize other people's feelings. Now let's look at the next characteristic of wise people. James says, wisdom is submissive. Wise people won't criticize others' suggestion. A wise person can learn from anybody. She's not defensive. He's willing to listen and learn. The word is used only once here in the whole New Testament, but you know what it means? It really doesn't really mean submitting. It means being reasonable. It means willing to listen, willing to be open to other ideas. The Revised Standard Version says it's open to reason. The Living Bible says it allows discussion. You see, wisdom welcomes input. It doesn't say, no, no, I got life figured out. I don't need you. Thank you very much. No, that's not a wise person. 
Are you a reasonable person? Are your kids allowed to come up and talk to you honestly about things? Is your spouse allowed to come up and express or give you a suggestion on maybe how something can change? Or are you one that says, no, 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 don't confuse me with the facts. I always do that with Chrissy. Honey, don't confuse me with the facts. You know, I've made up my mind. Right? I'm like concrete. I'm thoroughly mixed up and firmly set. Right? I've been times like that. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Anybody there? We've all been there. I mean, it's true. We've been there. And it's caused. Now, I will say this. A lot of us are too sensitive. We're looking to get our feelings hurt all the time. And if somebody makes any kind of suggestion, we take it as a personal criticism and we get real defensive. And we need to stop that. James says that's unwise. Don't do that. Because a wise person can learn from anybody. I read books by people who are antagonistic to the faith because I want to know what they really think so that I can have a discussion with them and say, why do you believe that? How did you come to that conclusion? And maybe change their mind. I don't have any problem doing that. You know, there's a Chinese proverb that I like. It says, a wise man even learns from his enemies. Even from his enemies. It's true. Listen, if somebody comes up to you, listen, Proverbs 12, 15, listen. A stubborn fool considers his own way the right one, but a person who listens to advice is wise. Guys, listen, if what they're saying to you is true, listen and learn from it. If it's false, ignore it and forget it. Simple enough, right? If I'm wise, I'll be open to reason. I won't criticize others' suggestion. Look at this one. James says, wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. Wise people won't emphasize your mistakes. Anybody work with someone like that? You jump down people's throat when they screw up. Do you do that? You're always trying to find somebody's faults. Do you like using other people as the butt of your jokes? Is that a tendency you have? You see, wisdom is full of mercy. It doesn't emphasize other people's mistakes. Let me ask you, do you like to let people off the hook? Do you like to grace them? Or do you keep hounding them about their past mistakes? Do you like doing that? you like holding them prisoner? Even after they say, listen, man, I'm sorry. Do you still hold them prisoner? Do you say, oh yeah, I remember the time that you... And then we recount it for them. We don't release them. We, we squeeze them. You see, if you're wise, you don't emphasize your wife's mistakes, your husband's mistakes, your kids' mistakes, your co-workers' mistakes. You don't do that. You're going to be full of mercy. And you see, like Jesus, you and I need to give people what they need, not what they think we think they deserve. Because Jesus, did he, Jesus give us what we deserve? He gave us what we needed. Mercy, grace, salvation. You see, there's two guys that are at a convention center. They haven't each seen each other for years. And they stay at the, um, down in the ballroom in there, and they talk for hours, and they suddenly realize they are in a lot of trouble with their wives. And the guy says, man, we got to go. So he runs, and the next morning they're talking. And the guy says, hey, bud, how did it go? He says, oh, man. I went in the room, and my wife got historical. (laughs) He goes, don't you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She told me everything I've ever done wrong, ever. (laughs) And the other guy says, oh, man, I'm so sorry. That's bad. He says, you know, my wife came crawling to me on her knees. 
He goes, she did not. He goes, yes, she did. Well, what did she say? She came up to that bed and she said, come out from underneath that bed, you coward. <laughs> Let's give each other what we need, not what we deserve. Because listen, if you want to find faults, you'll find them. You always will. Is that really what you want to find? You want to find the worst in people? You want to find the best in people? Just find the best in people. I think that's what's important. Proverbs 17.9. You see a lot of the wisdom coming out of Proverbs? Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I've been there before. I've seen that. I tend to have a critical spirit, and God really had to take me through the ringer, not only with my friends, but with my wife. My wife could tell you. Very critical spirit. I have a tendency to always turn things around on the other person. And God has really been taking me over the crawls. You know why? Because God loves me. Because God loves my wife. Because God wants us to be the best representation of Jesus Christ that we can be. And I'm telling you, folks, before the truth of God sometimes sets you free, it'll tear you up. It will tear you up. Let it do it. Let God have his perfecting work. Because he is, his goal for you is to be just like Jesus. So let him do what he wants to do, as difficult as it may be. How are you at home? Do you tend to be more merciful or judgment? You know what I've learned when I stumble? I don't need somebody's judgment. I need somebody's encouragement. Is that true with you? Yeah, you need encouragement. You see, if somebody forgets something, how are you? Do you tend to rub it in or do you rub it out? It's important that you can answer that question because, see, the wise thing to do is never emphasize mistakes. James also says that wisdom is full of good fruit. Good fruit means kind actions, good deeds. You don't just show sympathy and say, hey, I'm sorry, but you know, you really brought this all on yourself, you know. You did. You just did. Or we, sometimes we go, you know what, I really hope God helps you with that. I really do. When God could say, you know what, dude, why don't you be the agent of grace? Why don't you be the agent of provision? You know, somebody needs 10 bucks to say, you know, I'll pray you get 10 bucks. When you got 20 in your wallet, what's up with that? Where's the good fruit? James would say, yeah, you show me your fruit by what you say. I'll show you by what I do, by what I do. That's important. We need to show each other. Wise people show compassion. They take action, knowing that's exactly what Jesus did. You go into the Gospels. You look at Matthew. You look at Luke. Every time it said Jesus was filled with compassion, look at what he did next. And he healed them. And he fed them. And he delivered them. And he raised them up. Compassion always results in some conviction that leads to action. You can't talk about your convictions and your compassion if there's no fruit that comes out of it. That's just talk. And the world doesn't need any more talk out of Christians. It needs to see a walk. It's important that. James 2.12 says, Mercy always triumphs over judgment. So let's not shoot our wounded. Let's heal them. Let's walk with them. Let's restore them. Let's let them know that mercy produces far better results than judging. We've come to know the mercy of God in Jesus' sacrificial death, haven't we? Did we deserve to be saved? And yet here we are. Lastly, let me close with this. James, he names a key characteristic of a wise person, and this one is really important because I, I, I struggled for years with this one. 
I think probably because of the fact that I was in the ministry. And sometimes we uh, become victims of other people's opinions. And we feel that we have to be perfect. And James says, wisdom is impartial and sincere. You see, wise people, they won't disguise their weaknesses. They'll be honest about them. We don't try to hide them. We admit them. And you know what's interesting here? These two words in Greek, they're about, they sound exactly the same. It was a play on words. And they both sound like the word that you and I know called hypocrite. And you know, it's really interesting because the word really comes out of Greek drama. Because if you've ever seen some of your Bible study stuff, you've ever seen those outdoor arenas that they had a couple thousand years ago, but you didn't have a lot of actors. You usually had three or four actors who had to play ten parts. And a hypocrites was, a, was the mask that an actor would wear. So an actor might come out with one mask and play the part, then go behind the wall, then come out with another mask and play another part. That's how four people could play ten parts. You had to be a hypocrite. You had to wear a mask. You had to be somebody different. And we tend to do that. And yet Paul says, let's be, or James says, let's be people without mask. Let's don't be hypocrites. Let's be straightforward. Let's not try to be five or six different people, two or three different people, depending where we are. I'm this way at church. And then when I'm this way at work... I talk well with my wife in the church. I bag on her with the boys when I'm at work. We do that stuff. I notch my mouth in church. I tell coarse jokes out with the guys in the street. We put on those masks. We try to disguise our weaknesses. But James says, you know, dude, if you're the real deal, you're not phony. You don't wear a mask, and you don't try to pretend something that you're not. Listen, you guys, I know you already know this. I know Pastor Bill tells you this, but Sunday morning, it's no time to wear a mask. It's no time to be phony. Come on, none of us are perfect. We all know that. Somebody who really knows you knows all your weaknesses already. Anybody that's married, come on, you know that. We know each other's weaknesses. We all, let's stop pretending we don't have faults and fears and failures. We should come together as real people with real sins, with real hang-ups, with real hurts, with real emotional and family problems. And we're going to be real. We're going to be honest and open. And we're not going to be phony with each other. We're going to be genuine because we understand that God's grace is enough. It's sufficient Wise people are, what you see is what you get. This is who I am. Take me or leave me. They don't pretend that they've attained perfection. And you know what? There's a lot of phony relationships today. People always trying to be something that they're not. We do it in bars. We do it when dating. We do it in church. We we do it in the workplace. And You guys, you've got to understand that hypocrisy in relationship always has consequences. Always. Listen to what the Word says. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. See, it's dumb to pretend that you got it all together because no one does. But when you start admitting your shortcomings, you know what you do? You free other people, to be honest. Other people say, you know what? Pastor Bill does that. Fred does that. Bill does that. I can do that. I can be real. I can be honest. 
And when you start telling people that your weaknesses are, they're going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked because you're going to find out, oh, I already knew that. I already knew that. I've learned that people, that's one of the things I've learned in preaching over the 20-something years I've been in ministry, you know, it's people appreciate gut-level honesty and transparent sharing. Let's do it for each other. It's to help them be more open. So let me just ask as we close. How did you do on the wisdom test? Let me just do a little review for you. You think about it. See where the Holy Spirit might be going. Bingo, that's you. Do you still compromise your integrity? Do you use people, manipulate them, and use them for the things that you want? Do you tend to antagonize others? You're always saying things that tick people off. You know you're going to say it. You know you're going to anger them, but you do it anyway. Do you minimize other people's feelings? Do you make them feel bad or dumb for how they feel? Do you understand that feelings are not right or wrong? Feelings just are. Do you criticize others' suggestions and opinions? Can your kids make suggestions to you? Is your spouse allowed to give you input? Is a coworker allowed to suggest that you might do something differently? Do you emphasize others' mistakes? As I told you, wise people don't rub it in, they rub it out. Are you the one who admits your weaknesses, or do you have to get backed into a corner? Do you disguise them and act like you have none? Now here's the important question. This is the final thing I've got to ask you. You need to ask yourself is, how do you get wisdom? And here's the answer. Wisdom and knowledge have different sources. They don't come from the same place, I'll tell you that. Knowledge comes from education, and I'm not against education. But wisdom comes from God. If you want knowledge, you look around. But if you want wisdom, you look up. It's important that you know that. Knowledge comes from reason. Wisdom comes from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge is something you learn. Wisdom is a gift and an essential one at that. And here's the good news. Here's what the Bible promises you if you say, God, I need wisdom. Listen to what he says in James 1. James is wrapping his mind around this. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it generously without finding fault. You might have been a screw-up all the way before the day you talked to God. And God says, I don't care about your past. I am thrilled that you're here and asking me for how I think and what my perception is on your situation. Thank you. And here you go. Boom. And he opens up the doors of heaven. And he gives you all the wisdom that you can handle. And how does he do it? What's the mechanism? Now, for some of you, you already got this. You're years in this. But for some of you, I don't know where you are in the spiritual journey. So I'm going to talk to the lowest common denominator. Some of you don't have wisdom because you don't have a relationship with Christ. Colossians 2.3. The Bible says the secret is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all of God's treasures in wisdom. It's all in Jesus. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. It's not in your goodness. It's not in your education. It's not in your church attendance. It's in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You get Jesus in your life, you'll get all the wisdom you need. And I hope you'll understand that. I hope you'll embrace that. Because when you get Jesus and you get the mind of Christ, your relationships will improve even if the other person isn't interested in trying to improve it. Because God will be so changing you, you'll know how to adapt to them and be a witness nevertheless. 
Jesus wants you to relate wisely to everyone. Now, as we do a close in prayer, I want you to do something. I want you to get a specific person in your mind right now. Someone you know you don't like. Someone you know you don't get along with. Might be somebody sitting in the room. And I'm not trying to get down on you, but this is a moment of absolute freedom that you might experience through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think who they are. What they've done to you. What they've said to you. What they haven't done for you. And it might be something in the past. I understand that some people that you've hurt you are gone now. But we still need their forgiveness. You still need the wisdom and now how to respond now that you no longer have that relationship with that person. But I want you to get that person in your mind's eye right now. And I want you to say, God, give me wisdom. Give me your perspective. Give me the power of the Holy Spirit to do what I know I need to do in order to make that relationship right and to demonstrate to this person and to demonstrate to you and to demonstrate to all those non-Christian people who watch me that I'm different. Father, we've learned that wisdom begins with knowing you with being restored to right relationship with you through the power of the Holy Spirit, through our faith in Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your sacrifice on the cross was sufficient, that it was once for all time. And as we put our faith in what you did on that cross, you will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the wisdom of God, and we will be able to have the mind of Christ to look at people to look at our relationships, to look at our circumstances through your mind's eye and through this enabling grace, we will be able to say what needs to be said. We will be able to do what needs to be done. We will be able to correct what needs to be corrected because we believe greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Lord, you said in Psalm 111, Reverence for the Lord is beginning of wisdom. And we recognize it begins with salvation. If you're here this morning and you know if God stood before you and he said, listen to me, child. Do you have a relationship with me through Jesus? And you knew the answer was no. Then I pray that this morning you would just say, God, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that put aside your wrath and in turn gave me your favor and blessing. And I'm no longer your enemy, but now I am your child and I am your friend. Lord, give me the wisdom to open my heart and receive that truth this morning, that my life would be made new and eternal and blessed. For those of you who know Christ and yet you've been hunkered down, you've been sort of resisting the move of the Holy Spirit to, to do something with someone. I pray this morning that you would let go of the steering wheel, that you would let go of whatever ill feelings you might have or fear, and that you would bow your heart before the risen Lord and say, thank you for making it possible to be restored to God and restored to my brother. And give me the courage to go do that today. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for the wisdom of heaven. We thank you for new life in Christ. 
And we thank you, Lord, that from this point forward, we will look at people in a different way. And we will act in a different way. That all men may know, that all women may know that I am your disciple. And I thank you for that. In the precious name of Jesus. And let God's people say, Amen. Amen.